Genesis chapter 2, 22 and verse number 12 says, and he said, lay not thy hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God. See it, that, see it thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and behold him, a ram was caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place. Somebody say the name of that place. Jehovah Jireh. As it is said to this very day in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. Turn the page over to Genesis 28 and verse number 18 it says, Jacob rose up early in the morning and he took a stone and he made it for a pillow and he set it up for a pillar and poured oil upon the top of it. And he called the name of that place. Somebody say the name of that place. The name of that place, Bethel. But the name of that city was called Luz before then or at first. Genesis 32, turn the page again. And Jacob asked him and said, tell me, I pray thee thy name. And he said, wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of that place Peniel. And I have seen God face to face and my life has been preserved. Joshua chapter five and verse number nine, the Lord said unto Joshua, this day have I rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off of you. Wherefore the name of this place is called Gilgal unto this day. I wanna to preach to you for just a few moments this evening on this Sunday night to this great church. The revelation of renaming, the revelation of renaming. Naming. Would you lay your Bibles down? Would you lift your hands up to the Lord and let's pray over God's word tonight that it would be what it is in this place. God, we thank you. God, that your word is forever settled in heaven, but we will attempt tonight through open hearts and God seeking and asking to establish that word here on earth in this room tonight. God, I pray that it would not just be revelatory, God, but it would be relevant to a heart that sits in this room that's troubled, God, to a mind that may be filled with worry tonight. God, I pray that the seed would fall on good ground, that your word would be a lamp and a light, God, into every individual who sits in this place tonight or watches online. God, we pray tonight, use your kingdom. God, your kingdom come, your will be done in this room as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, we pray. Would you shout amen? Come on, would you shout amen? amen? Amen. You can be seated in this place tonight. We could have went through a majority of the Old Testament over and over and over again. And I know that uh, that's, that probably wouldn't have been wise on my part from a communication standpoint to read every time somebody renames something in the Bible. Because you could see just there in the beginning of the word of God in the book of Genesis and all throughout that every time something happened there would be a name change. Earlier part of this last month, we saw the renaming of over 600 geographical places in the U.S. The changing of the name was issued to make it more welcoming, specifically for Native Americans in the original name that had been uh, put some offensive terminology. We see uh, even today that names are being changed of streets, towns, landmarks, different places for different reasons. And we see this in the Bible over and over again, whether an event took place, whether somebody was conquered or something happened, uh, that place, it was a popular uh, thing that would take place to say, I'm going to call this place by a new name. 
Ultimately, uh, we find ourselves uh, in, in this place of significant significance tonight. And I will say that this is my first time here since this place has been re renovated. And what a wonderful, uh, masterful job. Whoever was responsible for this, this is a beautiful place and a beautiful house of worship. But what what, uh, you know, different different places growing up. I could go back to some of the places where I went to school. I could go back to some of the places that that mean something to me. And uh, they mean something to me, but I could take you there and it means nothing to you, Brother Lawrence, because that place was significant to me and it may not be significant to you. We could go to the place where uh, Jacob called Bethel and they said it's called Bethel to this day, but it don't necessarily mean Bethel to you because you didn't have that experience with God there where you saw a gateway to heaven. So I look at a place like this tonight where such a great congregation is gathered on a Sunday evening and I ask you, could we start where we sit tonight and say, what does this place mean to us? What do you call this place? Do you obviously call this a place of priority or you would not be here? But ultimately the Bible teaches us through this underlying concept that it is what you call it. It's going to be what you call it, your attitude toward it how you act toward it, your passion for it, your need for it. It will be a place of meaningless motion or it can be a place of peace, a place of passion, a place of just checking off the attendance list or it can be a place that can be a refuge for your family. I know for some, it, it is just that. I know for some, you've made your way to the house of God tonight because it's a safe place and you've come from torment, you've come from a place that's uh, fearful, but ultimately I've come to ask every person, young and old in this room tonight, what does this mean to you? Jacob said, we'll call it a doorway to heaven. I'll call it that. David said, I was glad when they finally said unto me, let me go into the house of the Lord. And this place must be a place of value. Daniel said, I'll go and I'll pray and I'll call it a place where I communicate with God. And you can kill me if you want to, but I'm going to, I'm going to put some, some significance in this place. I'm going to call it a house of prayer. Maybe you call it a house of worship. What is this place to you? It was David in second Samuel who quickly in his tenure as King overtook the Jebusites. And the Jebusites lived in a place called Jebus. And uh, David immediately took that place that he, 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 uh, he conquered and he gave it a new name and he called it Jerusalem. Anybody ever heard of Jerusalem? Uh, and most of you would probably identify that place as Jerusalem since it is since it's such a, an epicenter of everything that takes place in the Bible. You probably wouldn't refer to it as Jebus. Why? Because David changed that name. You know, Je Jebus uh, in its original text means meaningless motion. In fact, one, one, one uh, definition says uh, meaningless childlike motion. Anybody got any kids, grandkids, little cousins? Huh? I got a two-year-old and a six-year-old. You ever, you ever had those kids? You know, we, I, I had a niece that, that claimed that my, uh, my firstborn, you know, that he, was, he, couldn't, he couldn't talk yet. But every time he would say something, you know, goo goo gaga, she would say, hey, he just said dictionary, you know. He, could, he was talking, you know. Huh? You, you all got those ants. I'm the favorite aunt or I'm the favorite uncle. Look, they're reaching for me. No, they're meaningless, childlike motion. They love me. No, they just had their hand in their mouth. Now it's just sticking out at you. It doesn't really mean anything, right? It's just meaningless, childlike motion. We're just going through the motion. Jebus was the name. That was the name of Jerusalem. But David said, I'm going to take this from being a place of meaningless motion and let it be a house of God, a place of worship, a place of meaning, a place of purpose. 
I don't ever want my life. I don't ever want anything in my relationship with God to be something where I just go through the motions. And sadly, statistically, it's much better for our conscience to come in and sit down on a pew tonight and justify who we are as Christians and apostolics and people of God to make sure that we make maybe our parents happy or our pastor happy, or we could, we could maybe just soothe our conscience to make it through the week to say, I'm just going to come. I'm going to be here. I'm going to do my due diligence as a good child of God. But we come in and we go out and it just becomes meaningless motion if we're not careful and I just come in and I love the culture and I love the friends and I love the great things that are going on and it's popular. We've removed the reproach, so to say, of being Pentecostal nowadays. Everybody speaks in tongues. They don't get made, we don't get made fun of like we used to. Some of, the, some of the older saints of God could say amen to that. You know, now it's, it's popular. You know, there's always going to be that imbalance of spirit and truth and ultimately right now that spirit is high and everybody, it's, it's popular. That reproach has been, it's, it's great to be identified with an apostolic Pentecostal church nowadays. If we're not careful, we come in and we're just, we're just, we're just going through the motions. We, David says in Psalms 107 in verse number eight, verse number 15, verse 21, and again in verse 31, he says, oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. I understand that I'm here for a youth fall retreat and Mom and dad, you have named this place, but young people, what do you call this place? IBC students, what do you call this place? Is it something you do or is it who you are? Is it grandpa's church or is it going to be your church? Is this a place where we are living ultimately right here in this place in buildings that we didn't build and vineyards that we didn't plant and houses that we didn't build and we're here and the reproach has been moved and the path's been paved, but what are you gonna do for the kingdom of God next generation? Huh? What is it that you are gonna do that you're able to hold on to and say that we paved the way? I must give this place a name. In the midst of a broken world, this place must be a place of peace for the anxious. It must be a house of mercy for the broken. It must be a house of prayer for the heavy and the weary. It must be a house of worship for the prideful. It must be a place where we give it some name and some value. Anybody sick in this place tonight? This is a place of healing. Anything can happen in this room right now when you speak the name of Jesus. Oh, I've not come to just go through the motions. You can be healed tonight of cancer. You can be healed tonight of any disease. Why? Because I know my God is able. I've not come to just give some Jeebus. I've not come to just go through the motions. So ultimately, you will get out of this place what you call it. It's a, it's a mending place for marriages in a world where marriages are falling apart. It's a place I can show myself friendly and find community if I'm an outcast. It's a place I can walk in discouraged and leave uplifted on a Sunday night. It's a place for a young rebellious teenager to come in and submit themselves to a system that may not have a father or mother that cares, huh? It's a house for the children to hear about David and Goliath and Daniel in the lion's den and Jonah and the well, what has this place been to you? What do you call this place? You'll see in the Bible, the naming of a place was often determined by an experience, either a, a, a moment with the, the goodness of God or the outpouring of God, or maybe by the ignorance of man. A mistake, a failure, 
something I want to remember or whether it's something I don't want to remember, something I want to repeat or something I don't want to repeat, but I don't want to forget it ultimately was the purpose of a renaming. The people of God have been delivered from Pharaoh and Egypt and the great Exodus and they weren't three days removed from watching God part the Red Sea and we understand they take an 11 day journey and turn it into a 40 year journey and they walk through over on dry land and they start complaining. Nothing ever seemed good enough in the wilderness. From God's perspective, you would think me protecting you and providing you and, and taking you away from Pharaoh's whip across your back would have been enough, but it seems to never just, it never seems to be enough. But there's a group of people in the Bible, he refers to them as a mixed multitude. It caused, it caused a great deal of trouble with the people of God in Exodus. They, they didn't see, the way, see everything the way God wanted them to see them or ultimately the way the rest of the crowd saw it. They had a different name for God than the God that had delivered them. Numbers chapter 11, the bread from heaven, six days enough wasn't, wasn't good enough. He says, and the people complained and it displeased the Lord and the Lord heard it and his anger was kindled and the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed them. That they consumed them in the uttermost parts of the camp and the people cried unto Moses and when Moses prayed unto the Lord, the fire was quenched and he called the name of that place Tabera because the fire of the Lord burned among them. And the mixed multitude that was among them fell a lusting. And the children of Israel also wept again and said, who shall give us flesh to eat? We remember the fish that we did eat in Egypt freely. I don't believe it was free, but you can look at it that way, I guess. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. And now our soul is dried away and there is nothing at all beside this manna before our eyes. You can, you can call it one thing, but then there's always a mixed multitude that's going to see it differently. You may call it one thing, but there's always going to be a crowd that's trying to tell you, hey, you don't have to do that. You don't have to go there. You don't have to really commit. It's really your attitude towards something. It's going to cause you to see the benefits of it. You see something from God. Do you, do you feel like you've arrived? These people were consumed by the fire of God and immediately thereafter, there's some people complaining. I mean, how much does God have to do right here in front of their eyes? But look at this, verse number five. It says, we remember the fish and we remember the things we ate freely. I, I don't see any of that being free, but we see that uh, in, in Numbers eleven thirty-two. 32, look at this. And the people stood up all day and all night and all day the next day and they gathered the quails and they... They that gather least gather 10 homers and they spread them all abroad themselves round about the camp. And while the flesh was yet between their teeth, ere that was chewed, the wrath of the Lord was kindled against the people and the Lord smote the people with a very great plague. And he called the name of that place Kibroth Hadavah because they, were, they there were buried the people that lusted. Pages, the Bible shows us, from the promised land. Pages from experiencing the promise. And these people begin to lust. And they, they name this place Kibroth Hadavah. Kibroth Hadavah. You know what it means? It means simply the grave that you crave. What you desire. They dug their grave without with their desires. You, you, you ultimately name this place. You name your walk with God based upon your desires. Is your, uh, let me just ask you a few questions tonight, and I've come to challenge you, and I, I hope this is all right tonight, but is your job more important to you than anything in the kingdom of God? Is what you look like 
compared to others so great that you forget what God has done and what God is doing for you and what God has for you. I don't want to have to stand over anyone's body or anybody's life in ministry and say this was a kibroth hadavah. They gained the whole world, but they lost their soul. They craved everything but what God had for them. What is it that you call your life? What is it that you call your home? We've talked about this place. What about the place that you'll go home to this evening? Is your house in ter turmoil? Do you care more about making money than making a difference? Do you care more about making money than raising your kids? We had some great conversation this weekend, but ultimately we have students that are living in what Proverbs refers to as the fields of the fatherless. He says, remove not the old landmarks which thy fathers have set. It is our responsibility today to this youth group, to this next generation, to draw lines in the land of the internet because they cannot live by lines that are not being drawn. These cannot be educating and training the next generation. We've got to step up and say, hey, I've got to make sure that they get it as pure as I got it. And if they drew lines for me years ago saying, hey, we're not going to go here and we're not going to go there and we're not going to do this and we're not going to do that. It's about time now that we figure out what's the line for ourselves and draw a line not only for us as parents, but draw some lines for the next generation and say this is a priority. What, is, what does it mean? What does it mean to you? Does it mean enough? You want, to, you, you want your house to be a place of, of training. It all comes down to passion. I've got to care enough. I've, I've got to desire enough. I've got to ultimately plant and allow God to water. This whole concept within, uh, we see here, they said this is just a grave that you crave. This is, this is, you just reaped what you sowed. We must feed what's feeding us. We, we, we've got to give to what's giving. I, 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 we see over and over again in the Bible, for, for instance, we see the, the prodigal son, he left the house. He finds himself in, in, in feeding the, the, the pigs or feeding the swine, something that couldn't feed him. It was forbidden. He couldn't eat of, uh, of, of the swine. We find himself feeding. He said, I, my servants or servants at my father's house are doing better than this. We see the grass that nature teaches us, gives to the soul and soul gives to the grass. And if that cycle stops, Things die. If we stop, if the earth stops giving the, the, the water to the clouds and the clouds stop sending the rain, eventually some things are going to be messed up. We sow in one place, but yet we expect for some reason as human beings to reap in another place. We expect to be solely committed. I see it over and over and over again where students are suffering because parents are so invested in being the greatest next entrepreneur but they expect to be raising children of God. They invest so much in one area. I see students that expect to invest everything in sports and what the world has to offer, but they expect to be the greatest, the next called anointed person of God. You, 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 you don't get to mock God. He says, whatever you sow, you're going to reap. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. That, that all goes hand in hand. There's a system. There's a structure. And we must feed what is feeding us. You sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. You don't value the promised land. You don't think about heaven. You're not going to make it to heaven. 
It's not something that we're just going to wake up and end up there. If we allow ourselves to be called, called away with all the, the, the things on social media, we're going to be a Kibroth Hadavah. It's the grave that we ultimately crave. Will the place that you're at in your life right now, will it be a place where you could be buried and say, well done? Or would you ultimately be a place where I don't really know where they stood with God? They were here sometimes, they worshiped sometimes, they prayed sometimes, but sometimes they were absent. Sometimes they began to desire other things. It was just the other day I drove through the cemetery with Pastor Carpenter, headed to a graveside. And Pastor began to, as we drove through this, the main cemeteries there in Maryville, he began to say, hey, brother so-and-so is buried over there. Sister so-and-so is buried over there. And the name of that place became filled with saints of God over the years of a church. And I couldn't help but be quickened in my spirit to begin to think that there, there's coming a day, sad to say, but there are people buried in that, that same cemetery. But they've simply been buried. You say, well, they accomplished all this and they accomplished all that and they made this much money and they achieved all these degrees and they did this, that or the other. But ultimately, when they were putting that ground, they're putting that ground. But somewhere over there scattered throughout that cemetery is somebody that's not been buried. They've been planted. And that piece of ground means something totally different in the kingdom of God from one space to the next because there's a church laying in that cemetery. And it's been a place of burial for some, but it's been a place of planting for some. And, and, and it, it's sad to think about it. Nobody wants to talk about it, but some people would call that a graveyard while some people would call it sleeping saints. Some people would call that the foundation of the Maryville Church. It's ultimately what we choose to call it. There's a day coming where the dead and Christ are going to rise first. And the naming of that place, there, there, there's a, a revelation that was, we, we must get tonight about the naming of a place, the grave, the end of our fleshly life is ultimately what we crave, what we desire. Psalms 49 and verse number 10 says, for he seeth that wise men die, likewise the fool and the brutish person perish, leave their wealth to others. Their inward thought is that their houses shall continue forever and that their dwelling places to all generations. They call their lands after their own names. Nevertheless, Man being in honor abideth not, he is like a beast that perish after their own names. I'm thankful to be fifth generation apostolic. I'm thankful for my heritage, but my name means nothing. I'm not here trying to build a monument under my name. I'm not trying to build a monument under what I can accomplish. It's not by my might or by my power, but as Brother Dibble's already said, it's by his spirit that we move and breathe and have our being and function as the child of God, as the people of God. We, we see here, that's, that this all begins to make sense, and I bring all this to you in, in somewhat of creating a foundation for you to understand why we're facing what we're facing today. Why we're being challenged with what we're being challenged with today. This all makes sense why the devil wants to call me something different than what God wants to call me. It makes perfect sense of why he wants to label me something different every single 
day. He's ultimately going to try to claim me. He's looking to seek and he's looking to seek me out and to destroy me and all the things that he does. But if he can name you, he can tame you, right? If he can call your life something, we're struggling today with an identity crisis. Mainly, it's driven that the statistics go hand in hand with social media since the invention of the iPhone in 2007 of mental weakness. And we've got depression at an all time high. And it's the it's the hot topic with especially with students and college students is mental health and all of these things. But we, we've got today an issue where we're struggling with who we are. We're struggling with how I'm supposed to identify with this whole comparison trap like never before on the internet. But this body, this temple, this vessel, this place, he he can't let you love it, but most of all, he cannot let you name it. He cannot let you call it what God wants you to call it. Not this place, not your home, but especially not your own personal life. See this with me. You understand the devil, he struggles with so many things, especially mercy because he was never extended mercy. But most of all, the devil devil was never given a proper name, never given a name. We see over and over again in the, in, the, in the Bible, Satan is obviously not a name. And in the original text, it's always stated as the Satan and, and a title for simply the accuser or the gossiper. Lucifer is not a name. It was Latin in origin and was never translated over from the Hebrew and simply means son of the morning. The devil's not a name. The adversary is not given a name, so he don't want you to have a name. He don't want you to be able to identify. We see in Jewish culture and original literature that one is not, uh, is not worthy of a name is reduced to titles. He's a father of lies, a son of perdition, an evil spirit. We will not give it a name. Therefore, he, 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 says, he says, if I'm not going to have a name, I can't let you have a name. I can't let you have authority that I don't have. I, if I, I want to keep you from being who God wants you to be, I've got to make you think you're somebody you're not. If I'm going to not, not allow God to use this to be what we know it is as the church of the living God, I've got to get you to start calling it something else of less significance. Call yourself whatever you want to call yourself today. Not only is there the false doctrine of the Trinity. Why? Because there's a revelation in renaming. He don't want you to have access to the name. But now we see in our world today, we have pronouns that our world is throwing at us. Huh? It's not just he and she, but it's hers and M and X and Z and Zim. And you can be whatever you want to be. You wake up today and you can identify as this. or You wake up tomorrow, you can identify as that. I was recently at a conference and they were having a Furby convention in, in the next hall over. And there was people identifying as cats and mouses and rhinoceroses or whatever they want to call themselves. Why? Because the devil has deceived you into thinking that you can call yourself whatever you want to call yourself and whatever you name yourself is what you're going to act like and what you're going to be. And our world has fallen prey to this, right? Uh, You see it. You go sign up for a new account on social media. You got to choose from 57 different things. You can opt out of it now on a flight. I don't know who I'm flying with nowadays. Looks like a girl, but it could be a mouse. I have no idea. You say, this is foolishness. No, it is the devil's idea of of making you realize and making you fall into the deception of say, hey, if I can just make them identify with anything other than the name of Jesus. 
If they'll identify with anything other than the people of the name, I can keep them where I want to keep them. If I can confuse them and not let them understand the revelation behind the renaming of their life. I've got to make sure. I've got to make sure that the children of men hear me call this a good place. I've got to make sure that the next generation knows the name of Jesus. Why is it that there's always been an attack on the name of Jesus? Huh? We've got to see this. I, I hope that I'm, I make it plain and simple this evening in, in, in the, the foolishness of preaching, as we could call it. Jesus was crucified. Ultimately, why? It wasn't doing something on the Sabbath day. It wasn't healing the sick. It wasn't that he said anything wrong. He didn't do anything. No, he said, you can't use that name. You can't identify with Yahweh. By the time Jesus, earthly ministry, the Jews had not heard the proper name of Yahweh, of the Yahweh of God for over 300 years. They said, you just can't use that name. Call yourself whatever you want to call yourself. Call yourself a prophet. Call yourself whatever you want to, but you can't use the name of God. But Jesus had a right to use God's name because he was God. The Jewish religion leaders, they were outraged. They understood who Jesus was claiming to be, even if some of our modern theologians do not. But John 8 and 28 says, Jesus said to them, when I am lifted up as a son of man, you shall know that I am he. In other words, he says something specific is going to happen at the crucifixion that will prove my divinity. He said, you're going to know that I'm not just him, but my name, I am that I am. If I can get you to realize this evening who you are, if I can get you to not just understand that you are who God says you are, but that you have the authority, you don't just have access to, but you have the authority as the people of God in the name of Jesus, anything could happen in this room this evening. Not because of me, not because of you, not because this is Calvary Tab and Indy, not because of any other name, but because the name of Jesus is greater is more powerful, can absolutely do the indescribable. This is exceedingly abundantly above what you and I could even fathom in this room tonight. The name of Jesus. Look, look at this with me. I'm, I'm hurrying to a close. I know, I know, I know we, everybody's, uh, all the young people are thinking, man, I've heard this guy 17,000 times already this weekend. Paul says in Philippians 2 and verse number 6, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God has also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Things in heaven, things in earth, things under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He gave you and I a name. The devil hates it. A, because he has no authority, but B, he don't have a name himself. So what, what better to do than to try to create that trinity within God's name, just like they've done with his name. He don't get a name. He just gets titles. So I bring to you the doctrine of the Trinity. He, he, he's always trying to, I, I just get titles. You don't get to name a place. You don't get to have authority. And then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus 
for the remission of sins. That's why it is not just imperative, but it is not optional for you to not go down in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, that you understand and get the revelation within the Word of God from Genesis to Revelations that I have to have the name over my life. Stand, stand to your feet this evening, musicians, if you want to come. You have authority in this place tonight. You have access to, but, but you, you've got to, to realize and, and your eyes have got to be open to that anybody in this room tonight can speak the name of Jesus and anything can happen. Look at this with me, Ephesians chapter one and verse number 19 in closing. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward? who believing according to the work of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above principality and power and might and dominion and every name. Could you read that with me? Every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come and had put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. I, I pray that I could help somebody for just a moment this evening before we leave here. He says every name that's ever been named. Some of you, if you're real and you're honest in this place tonight and we're ultimately only as strong as we are honest but you're dealing with some things in your mind. You're dealing with some things in your body because you feel the adversary attacking you and he woke you up this morning and said, yep, you're gonna live in fear. Yep, you're gonna live by that mistake that you made years ago. You're gonna live according to what I'm going to call you. And here's the thing I hope that you can grasp this evening. There are good gospel-believing, baptized in Jesus' name, tongue-talking tongue people. Good people. Called of God, used of God, that are being challenged today like never before. The Bible says that you're, you're like the devil when you lie. And I'm not saying anybody's lying tonight. I'm not saying anybody's cheating. I'm saying anybody's doing anything wrong. But here's what the devil has done and is doing to our movement right now that is he, he doesn't care if you lie or not if he can get you to believe one you can be morally good morally pure filled with the holy ghost sing in the choir do everything you're supposed to be doing but he can wake you up tomorrow morning and convince you that you're something other than a child of god he can get you to pick up a cell phone instead of picking up the word of god he can get you to pick up a problem instead of picking up a solution. He can convince you into thinking that you're something you're not. And so you can walk around as a young lady or a, a woman of God and be convinced that you're not good enough. You can feel like as a mom that you're not doing enough for your kids. You can feel like as a dad that you'll never live up to the person that you're being compared to. And so you live by a label. You live by a name. You live by the company that you work for. You live by the labels that ultimately I subconsciously submit to. I never meant to become this person. I never meant to waste this season. You don't have to be a bad person. You just have to believe the lie. 
And how long are we going to listen to the voice of the enemy? I know you've messed up, but is this a house of mercy or is it not? I know you did wrong, but God, he said it's removed as far as the east is from the west. And I don't see you that way anymore. Why do you keep calling yourself that? Mercy has no lines. The law of mercy, you got the law of gravity. You'll eventually get to a place where you cross it. You, you, you go up there in a spaceship, you're going to start floating around. Every law from every, every form of anything has a line where it ends. But the law of mercy, I can't find one. Unless you make one. Say, oh God, God, he, he couldn't do that for me. I've gone too far. Not according to this. You've just decided to call it that. And it is what you name it. Look at this with me. Before they sing, before we open up these altars. Don't believe the lie. If you don't feel a need to worship, don't believe that lie. If you, if you don't feel the need to share your testimony, perhaps he's deceived you. Every person in this room, if you, you, you're not being who God's called you to be in some small you know, fashion. I know you don't want, you don't want everybody, nobody wants to identify with the enemy and nobody wants to be identified as the adversary. But in all of our lives, I think I could look over my life this week and realize that at some point or another, I've not been all that God wanted me to be. That if I identified with being distracted or deceived into thinking mercy applies to me, but it don't apply to that person that I just talked to at the grocery store. They need to worship. They need to pray, but I'm going to sit back here and just go through the motions. I want to challenge you as a church tonight to live as the people of God, but most of all as the people of the name. I want to minister to somebody in this place tonight, specifically, if you would bow your heads. If the church would begin to pray, if you would help me for a moment, I want to open up these altars to somebody that can identify where the devil has deceived you, the devil has discouraged you, the devil has beat you up with name after name, even since you were a child saying that you're never going to be enough. I'm going to identify with you with how you're going to be identified with how you look and the mistakes you've made in the name of Jesus Christ tonight. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ tonight that you can be set free of any label that the enemy's tried to put on you. If you're sick in this place tonight, I know we've already had prayer and we've anointed you with oil, but in the name of Jesus Christ, be healed. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk in this place tonight. To every young person, in the name of Jesus Christ, you are a child of God. I am who he says I am. I am who he says that I am. All things are made new. Everything you do in word or deed tonight, do it in the name of Jesus. There's restoration in this room tonight. There's revival in this room tonight. I am who Jesus says that I am.